What have you learned about leadership and how you can reach your audience? So tough times are always the time when I think we get a chance to find our better and deeper selves. Like you get an opportunity to really push for that because all of a sudden everything you already knew isn't in demand anymore. And so I've always found that in times of uncertainty, the only certainty I find is in service. Because when there's uncertainty, that means there's the best opportunity to serve. Mm. Because if more people are lost, confused, troubled, then therefore there is more to do. And I think that's what I see as leadership is wanting to be of service to others. And I think there's a beautiful quote by Gandhi where he said, you, you find yourself when you lose yourself in the service of others. Mm. And, and to me, that's what leadership is, is that you lose yourself in trying to figure out how to help people in the best way you can. And I think for me during this time, especially in 2020, I was looking at around what all the other people were doing and I was like, well, I can't sing like John Legend or play the piano. Uh, I can't do that, but I, I can teach meditation or I can teach mindfulness. And so for me, my form of wanting to serve was, well, why don't I offer people their 20, 30 minutes a day at the beginning of the lockdown where they can find their peace they can find their calm, they can kind of get their stillness and declutter. And then hopefully they'll have the clarity to take whatever steps they're going to have to stay, take because I can't solve all their problems, but I can help them have the clarity that they'll know what to do next. Mm. And so that's why we started these, we did 20 days of meditation. And my only intention was, I just want people to have one part of their day, which isn't bombarded by the news, isn't bombarded by the worry, isn't them on a chat thread that's just full of mm -hmm. uh, full of worry and anxiety. Or being on a Zoom call. Or being on a Zoom call, <laughs> exactly. Or whatever, maybe this is their one time that they're going to find stillness and calmness for themselves. We did 20 days and people loved it so much that we did 40 days and we had 20 million people tune in over 40 days. Casual. And, and the best thing about it was that I would bring on I would bring on people at the end of them towards the end. So I, I wish I did this at the start, but I started to realize I really wanted to do it towards the end. So probably for the last 10 days, I would just go live with other people at the end just to ask them about their experience. And I'd say 90% of the people that were there were like, Jay, I've never meditated before. And this is my first time. And I was thinking, oh, that's, you know, that's what service and leadership is, is you're giving people new opportunities and, and allowing people to have new experiences. So to me, leadership is not about being at the front or guiding everyone or saying the best thing. It's just finding your way to serve. Yeah, I found, yeah, that simple question of like, how can I serve, whether it's a prayer mm -hmm. or just like kind of reflecting and journaling about it has been so important when I feel my ego getting in the way. You know, whether it's like, well, why didn't more people tune into that? Or did people <laughs> even like that? Or rah, 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 you know what I mean? And it's just such a, a really powerful antidote antidote. Um, but on the the meditation piece with your community, I'm curious, like, especially during this time where there's so much unknown and, you know, chaos, what did you feel or what did you observe as like the power of a collective pause, a collective breath, a collective, like just embodiment of peace for those, you know, 15, 20 minutes? Yeah, I think it, for a lot of people, it was almost like a forced pause. So there's a study that I, I love sharing because I think it creates such a visual in our minds to really get clarity. So 
there's a study that they did where men and women were asked to be alone with their thoughts for 15 minutes. And if they didn't want to, they could give themselves an electric shock. 30% of women chose an electric shock and 60% of men chose an electric shock because they didn't want to be alone with their thoughts. And so I feel like when lockdown started, it was like this spotlight on being alone with your thoughts. And it was almost like you didn't have that numbing button or that refresh button or that reset button. And the only way of resetting and refreshing was to try and open yourself up to that conversation internally. And that's what the meditation was doing was, I think, encouraging people to realize that being alone or being in this uncertain situation doesn't mean that it's all negative now and your life is over. And, and I think we've built up certain thought processes from our past where we look at certain things in a negative way. So for example, loneliness and being alone has always been seen as a bad thing. Yeah. So when you were the kid at school that didn't have a lot of friends, you were considered the loner, right? Or if you had a birthday party and only five people showed up, then you were unpopular. Or if you're the single person age 30, it's like, oh, that's a bad thing. You know, there's so much stuff in society that constantly makes us think being alone is bad. Mm. And from my experiences, and especially from my monk experiences, I realized that actually there's a whole nother word for loneliness that we never talk about. And it's called solitude. And, and it's not even used in our language or vocabulary on a daily basis. And more recently, Paul Tillich writes about it and he talks about the difference between loneliness being a weakness and solitude being a strength. And so for me, I think it was the first time where people started to realize that they had the opportunity to discover their strength. And hey, being alone is not fun at all. And but there is a part of it that when you find yourself in that solitude, you're now better at connecting with people, you know, better at attracting the right people into your life. You're better at communicating and connecting with them too. Does yeah. that make sense? Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, it very much does. Yeah, there's... Um, I feel like maybe this happened in quarantine too. And I did um, a silent retreat and it was like, there's the moment where you're kind of weaning off. You're like, you know, you're addicted to everything and then you kind of have that really big fear moment and then you get used to it and then you end up loving it. When you became a monk, did you, like the first weeks and the first days, was that the hardest? Because you were kind of detoxing from normal life? Good question. So the first time I went to live with the monks was when I was taking my breaks during university. So that's the first time I would take two to four week stints to live with them. That was hard because that was when I was going through the biggest transition in my life because I would literally go from, you said you're in the corporate world, I was literally going from internships at corporate companies in London to then living as a monk. So I would go from my summer vacations being uh, bars, steakhouses, mm -hmm. wearing suits to sleeping on the floor, waking up at 4 a.m. and meditating for eight hours a day. And so that was like my first like <laughs> A-B test of the extremes of both life. And that's where it was really tough because when I first went there, they were like, so you can't listen to, I couldn't take my iPod. And so they're like, you can't listen to any music from outside. I was like, how can I go a week without listening to music? I love music? this, like, like a shuffle. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's probably like- You had like no choice yeah. but to listen to your like- <laughs> I had no choice whatsoever. They were like, there's, there's no, you can't bring your Game Boy. You can't bring whatever it is. Like there was all this stuff that you don't want to have there if you're really coming for serious. And I'm like, wow, this is hard already. But the crazy thing was that for, when I got there and I started practicing, I would forget about even needing it. And so for me, it was, yes, it was hard in the beginning. It was hard 
going, oh, you have to sleep on the floor. And guess what? You don't even have a space on the floor with your name on it. You just sleep on a different space every day, whichever space is available. And so I don't have a bedroom. I don't have a bed. I sleep on the floor and I don't even have a space on the floor. Mm. And so like all of that in the beginning, oh, and we have to take cold showers. Oh, wow. Never done that before. Like, you know, so there's just so much newness, but it's almost like that forced immersion is sometimes what helps you discover the greatest things about yourself. And it's almost like if you're never that challenged. And I think that, and again, I, I don't wish challenges upon anyone, but sometimes when we're put into these really difficult situations, we discover strengths in ourselves that we never knew we had. Thank you so much for tuning in to Morning Microdose by Almost 30. We hope you enjoyed waking up. As always, we encourage you to take what resonates and leave the rest. If you enjoyed this trip, tune into the full episode on the Almost 30 podcast. All episode information can be found in the show notes. Make sure to subscribe. And if this becomes a part of your morning routine, be sure to share it with a friend. We have new inspiring doses Monday through Friday. Follow us on Instagram at Morning Microdose and follow Almost 30 at Almost 30 Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the vortex.